Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. This is a podcast where I am blending the intersections of race, gender, sexuality, faith, and trauma. If there is a topic that most people say we're not supposed to talk about, I'm talking about it because that is how we heal. We don't heal in silence. We heal by speaking out. Hi, everyone. So today I have my friend, Andrea Kingsley Miller. Andrea, if you would introduce yourself to my listeners. Well, let's see. Like you said, my name is Andrea Kingsley Miller, Andrea Miller, but I've lately started adding middle maiden name back into it. Um, I right now live in the Kansas City area, have two daughters. I also have a podcast called Her Story Speaks and... um, yeah, mom and wife trying to figure things out, and COVID has made, um, since we're new to the Kansas City area, I'm not as actively involved in life, but I'm trying to figure out where God wants me to be involved with life right now. Mm, that's such a great intro. Mm. I think listening to you and Letty and Patricia, you all have me rethinking how I want to reintroduce myself. So um, I told Andrea, you guys, she pronounces her name Andrea, but I do call her Andrea just because that's how it comes out. And I actually like that. So, you know, maybe the new me is Andrea. That sounds a little more sophisticated and like taking up space and having a presence. So I like it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to talk about our friendship story. So uh, a couple of years ago, I decided that I was done with white women. I had this friend who, for, I don't want to go into it a lot, but just know that, that she was a white person that wasn't in my life for the right reasons. And Andre and I have talked about white women being friends with people, but for the wrong reasons, like using them. And I felt very much like I was maybe tokenized like I was her one black friend she didn't really have any other black friends and she would call me when she needed me and after realizing what was happening I said I'm done with white people which your story is not um unique because I think a lot of black women feel that way right that they're like the token black friend and you were yeah not going to do that anymore yeah I wasn't going to do that anymore And a year ago, I've only been on IG a little over a year, maybe through evolving faith and following different people and got connected to Andrea's page or something and commented on something. And then we just started having 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m. dates. Early, yeah. Early morning dates where we would just chat in IG Messenger every morning. Mm Mm-hmm which was Mm -hmm. how our friendship started. And I thought, I didn't even think about the fact, I actually forgot that I had sworn off all white women. (laughs) And when I say white women, what I really mean is white people as friends. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just not doing it. I don't have the time for it. Um, And with all of the racial, the, the murders, the police killings, all of the things that were happening that were just forms of of terrorism, white supremacy, all of that damage, I disconnected and I was like, I just can't do it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize that I was becoming friends with Andrea. And I like looked forward to like, oh my God, you know? And you didn't tell me those things. Like you didn't say, like, I did not know that you had set that boundary up for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like late last summer. Mm -hmm that I did see you start liking posts and commenting and I'm like, Oh, who is this? And mm-hmm. I, and maybe it was Dr. Janiqua Walker Barnes podcast. Maybe mm-hmm. that you did. I don't remember which she was associated obviously mm-hmm. with the volume faith. And so I looked at your profile and you had your, about your book on there. And I mm-hmm. think that's when I started looking and I'm like, gosh, I want to like reach out and talk to her. Like she mm-hmm. would be amazing to get to know or to feature on the podcast. And I think we just started talking and didn't even get to that. And then we had the, like you just said, the evolving faith thing in common. Mm -hmm. 
And we were both at points, I mean, I was a point in my life of having left Oklahoma and all of that and deconstructing all of that and losing a lot of friends and being really lonely in this new city too. Like we had just moved and it's COVID. And um, like you and I don't think I'd only been on Instagram, maybe mm-hmm. a year and a half. Um, and so I think we just connected over a lot of things and like... I guess that's what over helped you overlook the whole whiteness. It did because I was stalking your page quite a bit. Then I, I looked at your podcast and I said, oh my God, she's, she's got some really dope people up there. Mm-hmm. People that I was familiar with mm-hmm. from the evolving faith community. And, and so then that level of safety increased. And you listened to the, the, the episode with Patricia. Cause I remember mm-hmm. you messaging me about that. Mm-hmm. And so I do think like, We've talked about that before. Instagram is so double-edged sword, but you can get to know somebody. I feel like listening to their podcast, mm-hmm. seeing their Instagram, like obviously not an intimate like one-on-one, but you get to know a general sense of their character and what they're standing for. And I think you, which I didn't realize, had been looking at that with me. I was looking at that. What kind of white woman is she? Mm-hmm. And I'll post the episode in the show notes. But Amanda Seal, she's an actor, music artist, comedian. She's just multi-talented. She has a podcast um, episode on her. Her podcast is called Small Doses. And she talks about the difference between people who just happen to be white and white people. And when we talked about that yesterday, Mm -hmm. you guys, I'm recording on my birthday weekend. I'm here visiting Andrea. So we were talking about all these things. And I thought when we talk about quote unquote white people, we're not talking about all white people under one umbrella. Um, And Andre, it was very clear to me. And if I'm thinking of the definition of how Amanda Seals frames it, you're a woman that just, I told you that just happens to be white. Right. So you're not wearing your whiteness (laughs) as a crown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're aware of your privilege. You work every day to elevate the voices of people of color. Mm-hmm. You speak out against um, anything that's not like affirming, LGBTQ plus affirming. Mm-hmm. Even we talked earlier about attending a, pri- a previous church that wasn't affirming and, and making the decision, okay, I've got to leave this place because they're not affirming. Right. And so all of those decisions that's just that I'm just hearing your belief. I'm like, oh, she's safe. She's good. She's a good one. And and I watched for white people who say, well, I do have a black friend. Right. And I said, I'm not going to be anybody's damn token black friend. And I told you that. And then I'm seeing that you have relationships with others, but they're not just fake relationships. And I think I also told you like, well, actually, I don't really have hardly any friends right now. So I'm kind of starting from scratch on the friends. And we talked about like, let's, we're being intentional. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to sound, this sounds a little snotty, but intentional picking our friends. It's not just anybody that comes in our path. And I feel like we were both kind of at a place of like toxic people, relationships are out and we're in our forties and like, we're starting to add to our start our friendships over Mm -hmm. and pick who we really want and be intentional about it. Mm -hmm. And so when you were like, yeah, I don't want to be a token black friend. I'm like, I actually don't really have any (laughs) friends right now. You're kind of like my friend. You're my friend. Marcy. Right. Marcy and I have definitely had a relationship. I mean, Mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. And that's part of being intentional with picking the friends. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, because I don't, I don't want you to be my token mm-hmm. black friend. I don't want to put I that. I, I don't want to do put it. that on anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for people. If people are listening, they well, white hurts black people. You know, like don't even mm-hmm. can't be like that'd be awful if I said I can't have a black friend. Like, mm-hmm. I think white people have to understand that black people are really setting themselves up for trauma. Mm-hmm. I think if they're mm-hmm. letting themselves be seen and heard and in white spaces, like that part. Mm-hmm. That part. Uh, for any, I think for any black person that is predominantly, that's in predominantly white spaces, what comes with that is a lot of code switching, mm. minimizing yourself, dumbing yourself down. 
taking away the parts of you that God really needs you to have in order for you to be your full self mm-hmm. because you want to be belong in this space. Yeah. And I remember belonging to a predominantly white church and what that felt like. Right. And I thought there's not enough coffee bars and smiles and welcome committees to make me feel safe because they can't say black lives matter. Racism is wrong. And we're going to get this white supremacy out of this damn church. Right. If you can't say those things, then you don't really love me. Yeah. You don't have a person of color on your leadership team. You're not welcoming in women to be a part of your leadership team. And you're not LGBTQ that's plus what affirming. I was gonna say. You're saying love the sin, yeah. hate the sinner. Or yeah. that isn't how it goes, but that's how we'll yeah. just, <laughs> we know what I mean. And and you're not speaking out, then you really don't want me. You you want the idea of diversity mm-hmm. without the work of diversity. Mm-hmm. And I think we met at a point where I had been working on working through all of that for like the last year prior to us meeting and seeing whiteness for what it was, living and that's part of my journey of living in the Bible Belt, all white spaces, very patriarchal, white supremacy church Mm -hmm. establishments. And so Mm -hmm. I had already been working on seeing all of that. Mm -hmm. And so I do see the vulnerability and what you're setting yourself up to, to be in a relationship with me. But I feel like that's also helped us be really honest Mm because I've told you, like, Mm -hmm. you tell me anything. Like, Mm -hmm. I I, I want to learn, Mm -hmm. but it's also made, I mean... Friendship is reciprocal, so I'm really honest with you and share mm-hmm. things with you. And it's mm-hmm. like, I know, I'm sure people do look at, like, how did those two end up friends? But yeah. I think it's like, we've both been very vulnerable and understanding of the other person's vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and where they're coming from as much as we can. That part. Mm-hmm. So, I promised myself when when a few relationships had ended... And I'm coming to a season in my life where I'm not even going to be referencing that anymore. But it's important in the context of this conversation. I said to myself, I will never again be in a relationship with someone who does not accept 100% of who I am. Mm -hmm. And if I have to put up walls to have a conversation, if I have to have some kind of barrier of protection... And censor what comes out of your mouth. And censor myself. Yes. Then I can't. So with Andrea, we are completely different people. I can talk to her about being queer and what that means for me. I can talk about my trauma and it not be a source of discomfort and, oh my God, we shouldn't talk about this. Don't talk about this. Let's change the subject. I can talk about all the things. And what I love about you is that you don't say stupid shit. Hmm. Good. I listen for that. Okay. I listen for points of safety. If I am vulnerable with you, are you going to respond with something that is unkind or dismissive or that makes me feel awkward and ashamed? Mm -hmm. Like I need to rewind the tape and take it all back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I listen to that for everyone. Am I safe with this person, my full self? And you never say anything stupid. For instance, when you had me on your podcast, you had already read my book. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. The professional that you are. Mm -hmm. You'd read my book. When I communicate my feelings about my upbringing, my family, you never say, oh, well, you should reach out to them. Mm -hmm. You should pray for them. It's still your family. Right. Right. Which are all things that that people had said that were just totally stupid. Right. Because if you're listening to people and you care about people, then you're watchful of your words and you practice that from a real place. I think it's a lot about empathy. I mean, I I don't take, you know, I don't take compliments well. Mm -hmm. I will say I'm a very empathetic person. Like I can put myself almost in people's shoes and how they're Mm -hmm. feeling and Mm -hmm really validating their feelings, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think all those things that you just said totally invalidate somebody's Mm -hmm. feelings and story. And I do try to be really intentional about holding that space for people's stories Mm -hmm. and what, what their truth is, is 
what they're feeling and what they've gone through. And those statements just negate Mm -hmm. all of that. Yep. Um, yeah, and I think the other, I'm, I'm just thinking back to the things, this is a little off track, but where it, it relates that how we also connected is you also told me you were wanting to start a podcast mm-hmm. because you were like wanting to share stories mm-hmm. and truths too. And I think mm-hmm. that was a passion and that is a passion that we both have. Mm-hmm. And that is what fast forwarded things too, to be like, yeah, let, you can do this and you're going to do this and we're going to, you're, you're going to still tell stories too that are important and that matter. And I think you have that level, obviously you do, you're a therapist, but that empathy for other people and sharing mm-hmm. their stories and what their truths are. And then going back to real quick, what you just talked about with like not censoring yourself and being able to be your full self, mm-hmm. which you've told me you haven't always been, which shocks me because mm-hmm. I know who you are right now. And I'm like, no, this has to be who she's always been. Like how, Mm-mm. so I, but, but that is a similar part of both of our journeys, mm-hmm. which I'm working on not having to fit in that box and censor myself. And you are literally one of the, if not the first friend that I felt like I don't have to censor anything. Like I literally can say anything to her. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever had that safe of space Yeah, because I'm not remotely afraid that you're going to be like, Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's mm-hmm. a little too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, why do we, my daughter have too much tattoos? Because yeah. we felt like we're too much for people. And that it's like, I don't ever feel like that with you. That's important. Mm-hmm. And, and before the same, the same sentiment where I felt no one ever really told me I was too much. I've, I've heard you're too emotional right, or too dramatic, but I don't even, I don't even <laughs> take that, that criticism or whatever that was. Because I know that I'm just really honest and I'm going to tell you how I feel. And if I cry or or show any other emotion, I understand where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not making excuses for it. So, yeah. So, my here, here's my next question as okay. it relates to that. Okay. Um, we've talked about our friendship. And obviously, if anybody's listening, you can tell that we both experienced certain hurts in our relationships. But what do you know about relationships now that you didn't know prior to your own decolonization and deconstructing, not just your faith, but your whole damn life? (laughs) What do I know about relationships now? That you didn't know prior. I think that it is possible to be your full, full self and to be accepted and loved because I think prior, I thought you can't, you, you can't quite be your full self if you were going to be like, that's what my thinking was before, like almost a censored version of yourself to be loved and accepted. And I think it's still hard for me to know and grasp that even what we talked about today mm-hmm. when we um, met who we did, because it's still like you question like, oh gosh, am I, I don't think I'm enough or I'm too much. But I think like relationships with you, Patricia are showing me and Marcia, like you can be your full self and people can love and accept you for that. That is so good. I want you to say, if you would say a little bit more about what kept you from being your full self. And then if you're thinking about listeners and I've got some thoughts on this, but what keeps people from being their full selves in relationships? Well, I think what keeps people is the fear of rejection for sure. And when I say full self, like, I mean, this is a journey. Like I'm still trying to figure out who my full self is. But for me, part of that full self is what do I actually believe and what am I actually rejecting? And for so long being in the church, the purity culture, white supremacy, patriarchy, like fitting in that, like, okay, yeah, that's what I believe. And that's what I teach. And we're all in agreement with that. And then when I wasn't, so starting to speak out against that, that's becoming my full self of what I believe, what I think, and I can take up space. And that doesn't go so well with some people that are in that box. So that was the rejection that I started to feel. And so that is what people are fearful of, I think, being rejected and not not having friends, not having community. And that's a hard place to be. I mean, you know, I still struggle with that, especially as a people pleaser. But part of that people pleasing is not wanting that rejection and not wanting to be uncomfortable. Like it's an uncomfortable place. Um, and I feel like now coming to my fuller self, cause I'm still have so far to go. I'm able to have the confidence to vocalize 
feelings and things that might not sit well with a big group of people. Yeah. Um, and also I think just being really honest, like with questions too, like I have the questions that we have, the uncertainty, um, and expressing things that just don't go with that norm of white supremacy patriarchy, you know, that's it. I think that I've watched whether it was in families, in grade school, let's take it way back in Mm -hmm. school, in the military and in the church environment, there's this toxicity that is unspoken. People will do anything to be a part of a group. Yep. Even if it means really dying, that their insides really dying. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 will transform into whoever they need to be in order to belong. Yep. And I've had a number of people, not very many people, but a few people kind of call out or name my rebellious spirit. And I, I own that. And what it was is what they were saying is you're not conforming. And I think that any group, any community that that or any relationships that require conformity and shrinkage, that's not a safe relationship. Yeah. It's not a loving relationship. It's not an authentic relationship. If I have to change myself, minimize myself to belong or to earn your love, then it's not a relationship that I need. And we so often don't realize we're doing it when we're in it. Yeah. And it's not real love. Yeah. And we don't realize that I don't think when we're in it that we're doing that. Because I think people mm-hmm. could be hearing you and thinking, well, I don't do any of that and I have a great community. But mm-hmm. I think you got to check yourself on that. I mean, and realize, I mean, that's why I told you earlier today, like Untamed just spoke to me so much because I think that's so much what we as women, especially white women, trying to fit in this box of conformity do. Mm-hmm. And what happens when we don't? I mean, we mm-hmm. see it with Jen Hatmaker. We saw it with Glenn Doyle. Like, when they start to speak out against what is considered the standard acceptable good girl, mm-hmm. good Christian girl beliefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and black women, I've seen it. And so many other of our mutual friends have seen it. If you're a black woman and you speak out on anything that the global minority believes in, Freddie Gray, Tamir Rice, Sandra Bland, Breonna Taylor, try speaking out against any of that. In a majority white space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And see who your friends are. Oh, God. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're in a, a non-affirming space and, and, and you say, you know what? Jesus does love gay people. You'll see quickly who your friends are. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like, if I have to shut my mouth (laughs) or if I'm forced to believe what you believe in order to be accepted, then it's, it's, it's toxic and I don't want any parts of it. And so you can call me rebellious. Right. Right. It's okay. Right. And that's what, obviously, you know that, that's, that's what I experienced from going from like, in that box teaching. I mean, I was part of that teaching the love and respect, teaching the purity mm-hmm. culture, teaching these Bible studies about submissive wife, but felt like I had a lot of friends. And this is still hard for me to say because I'm imagining in my mind, like, oh gosh, these women are probably listening to this. And they'll be like, what the hell happened to her? Mm-hmm. Um, so when you start questioning those things that your acceptance is based on, that is really uncomfortable for people. But that also shows you what what your friendship, I think, was based on. Mm-hmm. And not everybody that's been in your path as a friendship is meant to come along with you for this for this journey and ride of your growth. And that's been really hard for me to accept and can, get can through. Can you just, that was a whole word. I feel like I need to give you a, an offering. Can you just say that one more time? Dude. Not everybody is meant to come along with you on your journey of growth. And that's hard to accept. I can say that, but I'm just getting to the point this last year of accepting that. Would you want them? No. Well, if they all could change, if we all exactly, <laughs> right? if they could all just... Can uh, you please be anti-racist? And uh-huh. you can-, can you please be anti-racist? Can you please be LGBTQ confirm- affirming? Can you please understand that women can be pastors and yes. leaders and... Please understand that women's role is not to be a submissive. Like, 
But see, even saying those things, it's like, oh my God, she's a heretic. I mean, literally, there's people that believe that. So they can't all come with you because they just can't. And it's hard when that's all you know and you want. But I think both of us coming into each other's lives when we did, that's why we've just so treasured each other's mm-hmm. friendships. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're both coming into feeling like in our lives for the first time, we can maybe start being a little bit who we are. And uncensored. All who we are. Okay, you are all. I'm working on the all. But you, yeah, you mm-hmm. are. For you, I definitely am. Yeah, but I'm working on um, that for everybody else, I think. It's, it's very traumatic to belong to any sort of a community and then basically be excommunicated. Mm-hmm. It's very traumatic to, to, to kind of think of the names of the people that when their parents were sick, when they had a crisis in their family, when they had a financial need, okay, and you met them and you said, here you go, I got you. Mm-hmm. Me and my husband, we got you. Mm-hmm. What do you need? You need us to take care of your kids? You're starting that business, you're starting that nonprofit, you're doing this thing, let me help you in your life. Let me pour into you. It's very hard when people have been in your homes, you've been in their homes, you've broken bread together, you've taken trips together, you've planned your lives really together. Mm-hmm. And then for that person, to treat you as if you are their enemy, like you killed their firstborn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to hunt you and to terrorize and to, it's very hard to be treated poorly by people who at some point formally said that they loved you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that goes back to like you being when we met saying you've sworn off white women. Yes. I mean, I was at a point where I, I didn't swear off white women, but very, very. But cautious. they were white. <laughs> <laughs> they were white. What are you just saying? Like, but it's very cautious with friendships and perceiving. Yes. Like, do I even want to do this again? Like, set mm-hmm. myself up to be hurt and vulnerable, and actually, life is just easier by myself. But mm-hmm. I see that it's not for sure, and that's what we said. IG, internet, social media is such a love hate because yeah. who would have ever thought the connections that we've made on there for our friendship mm-hmm. and Marcy and I mean let like mm-hmm. all the, the connections Shay and like that we're making so yeah. we're seeing that community can be found in other ways and like we were talking about this weekend almost in a sense better ways because we're forced out of just our little like demographic not demographics like where we live to branch out and really choose our friends wisely not just choose it almost feels like divine connections yeah me and my scared self i'm so fearful of being hurt i have major abandonment issues i speak about this in my book i spoke about it today andre and i in every relationship i am just literally praying please don't leave me (laughs) please just don't because i've been here before and i don't want to keep you know, kind of like Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. having people come in and out of my life. I want people. I want family. So we both know the hurt of people leaving. So I love that this this episode is just all about our connection, but it's it's a lot bigger than that. And I know that listeners will resonate with that. The trauma that happens when relationships end yeah and it doesn't end for things that make sense it ends (laughs) just because well maybe it does make sense because we evolve yeah and that goes back to they can't all come along we're not on this right and and that white person that was my friend that i talked about said she she said you know you were going to school and you were changing jobs and and it just felt like the relationship was over but i'm like how Mm mm-hmm I'm calling you. I'm texting you. I'm keeping in touch. Mm-hmm. I'm not ghosting you. I'm very present. I'm visiting you the same amount of times as I always would. But I was changing. Yeah. But I still loved her. And right. I still loved her daughter. But something about me changing threatened who she was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable for people. Right. Because it also makes them look at some of their own stuff. Yeah. And people don't want to do that. It's really bizarre. I want to talk about your children. 
And you've interviewed my daughter and yes. you, Grace and mm-hmm. yeah. So you guys will see on social media if there's ever a photo of Grace or Mary or any mention of them, you will often see me referenced as I call Andrea my sister, like she calls me her sister. They call me Auntie Tasha. And this is new for me because I've never really liked children. <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> you I'm not babysitting me. your kids. Oh, I don't want to wear I don't want to, but, but this is like former Tasha. I don't want to babysit any That's kids. Funny. I don't want to play with any kids. That's funny. Did you know that about me too? No. I'm not a child, big no. person. Like, you have to be self-sufficient in order for me to even feel comfortable around you. <laughs> we have to be able to have kind of adult conversation. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to, like, change you or bathe. I don't want any parts of that. <laughs> you got to know yourself. And so... The, I love children. Just, I, it is a challenge to, I mean... I love the idea of okay. them. Okay, yes. Children. Yeah, it's this okay. Just, this is just all news to me that you don't... Like children, because I wouldn't think that the way you are around my children. Yeah, I love your kids, but here's why I love them. Like, for instance, today's conversation with Mary and hearing the ways in which her children are young and they're already using their voices to advocate for other people. When we talk about love and we talk about respect and we talk about um, kindness, your children, they exemplify that. Yeah. Right? They do. And have no problem speaking out in defense of another person Mm -hmm. and it makes it easy to love them and for them to want to vacation with me or to spend time with me or can't wait till I get here I'm like wow yeah yeah I think it goes back to like lord knows I mean especially if you listen to the podcast that you did with grace like me and john have been anything but ideal parents and Grace, I think, paid the price for a lot of that. But I think we've always instilled in our children a sense of mm-hmm. kindness. But beyond that, like that back to the empathy, like mm-hmm. validating people walking in their shoes mm-hmm. and not in like some Christian white savior way at all, but the validating people's stories and where they have come from. And what they have said and what they have seen and and feeling that for them um, and just a love of humankind, really. And I do know that they're both they've come along in this journey, like they're like the friends that came along in this journey, because this whole journey has been one of change and progression for our whole family. Mm-hmm. I mean, listening to Grace, like she was a very instrumental in opening me and John's eyes and the growth and we challenge each other. And I think Mary, since she's been younger, 10, 11, 12, like she has seen this and heard these conversations and what matters and what matters to speak out for the LGBTQ community and to be anti and black lives matter and that sort of thing. Um, and I think that's almost all that she knows mm-hmm. right now. And so like when she was telling you today about speaking out of events that from that six year old that said mm-hmm. the things like, that's what she knows to do. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you speak out for people that mm-hmm. are being hurt or somebody's saying something against. So yeah. With her, it's been a little bit more ingrained, but it's been a journey for our whole family, I think. It has been. And going back to your point about validating people and walking in their shoes, when I hear that, that is such a Jesus model, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't have to we don't have to constantly talk about Jesus, but they are literally walking it out every day mm-hmm. without even knowing what they're doing. Yeah. This is really God's stuff. And to me, it just shows if you raise your children, teaching them to respect and love and care and be kind to others, mm-hmm. that translates and kind of causes a domino effect in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And every person that they speak out for, right? Like that person, their trauma is minimized. Yeah. Because there was this person that spoke up for me. Yeah. Right? And so they're living that out. And I just, I love that. But I also want to ask you about, not that this is a whole Bible study, but it is a God question, right? In terms of your relationship with God and thinking about your own personal painful experiences 
How has your relationship with God changed or been made better or whatever? Evolved, maybe. Evolved, yes. And maybe a better question is, what do you know about God today that you didn't know? Similar to the relationship question. So you you asked me earlier, do you want the questions in advance? And Mm -hmm. I said, no, no. Mm -hmm. This one I might have taken. But let me just, let's see here. That's a really deep question. I'm going to say it first. A lot of things happened in 2020, like everybody, but especially in my own life that have really, really changed and made me question God, his existence, what do you mean? Like, so first of all, obviously the changing churches, the leaving a church, losing community there so that we have that institutional establishment of God where all of that kind of came crumbling down and what do I even believe anymore because the church has taught me all these things and now I don't believe any of them but then we also have 2020 with my dad dying Mm -hmm. and then we also have 20 which you know starts you questioning what it even means to be saved in the afterlife and is God even in control because he's not so we have that level and then we have the me getting cancer so that just starts and then we have the whole COVID and living at home so a lot of things happen in 2020 that really rocked my faith down to like almost nothing. And the year before 2020, 2019 was when I went to Evolving Faith. So everything was starting, I was starting to question. So about God, I feel like I'm still trying to figure that one out. And you know this because some weeks I'll say to you, I think I want to go um, back to school and be a theologian. And then some weeks I'll say to you, I think I'm an atheist. Mm -hmm. I think God is so, what I'm realizing is God is so big, so much bigger and vast than we ever thought. And I think we try to put him in a sanitized box as well. And I think that's what a lot of organized, institutionalized religions do. But he's so, he, she, they, that's for one, that's something I've learned. Like God is just not this man up in heaven ruling with an iron fist and you're following his rules. So much bigger, so much more expansive, non-gender conforming. And I also think we're not supposed to have him figured out. I think that's a big part of it for me. Like I've always thought, no, we got to figure, this is why we go to church. This is why we follow the rules. Like we need to have God figured out, but that's just so not part of it anymore. And it's a, that's a much more safe, comfortable place to be. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the biggest thing because I still, even though I'm wrestling trying to figure out some things, because I do think there are some certainties, ways that we connect with God. Like for me, it's nature or through people, um, safe people. I just think we're not supposed to have them all figured out like we think we are. That was so good. Okay. <laughs> that was so good. And any for me, anyone who says that they know God, that they've got all fi- got all figured out, they they know the mind of God. Right. I know that they can't be trusted. And that was a post I made, like Instagram again, love hate. I make many of my posts just off the cuff in the morning things that I feel like are on my heart and my spirit. And that was the thing, like I was just really feeling I think that was during Pride Month and just seeing like all these Christians think they're they have the mind of God. Like they here's what the Bible says. That's a sin. God does If we would just stop trying to have or think we're supposed to have the mind of God and just have the heart of Jesus and the love, like, and that's what really has just been pressed on my heart. Like quit trying to figure out, like, I mean, yes, it's fine to try to interpret the Bible and realize it's not, but when we're saying the Bible says this exactly, we know this, like, no, Mm -hmm. and you don't know exactly what God is thinking. So I think it comes back to just the heart and the love. Mm -hmm. And that's the side I want to err on always. Mm Mm-hmm. That is so good. I want to speak to listeners going back to loss and relationships. And I think that anytime you're evolving, you're decolonizing, you're deconstructing, you're going to lose. And if you lose, you're also going to grieve. You have to go through that grief process and it can be long, but it's worth it. And here's what I'll share with with you all about my own grief process. Sometimes, you know, you go through these moments and you think, did I make the right decisions? Am I going in the right direction? Could I have done things differently to minimize what I'm going through right now? Right. Mm -hmm. And here's what I'll tell you. All of that is to be expected and you're going to cry and you may have some shame. You may have some guilt. You're going to have some anger. You may have some sadness. You will. You will. You will. If you're really feeling it all, like in letting yourself experience it. You will. And it's okay. You ride it out. That grief over time, it'll morph, it'll change, it'll decrease over time. 
But after the loss, here's what I have gained on the other side of things, a greater sense of self. I have joy that I've never felt before. I have belonging that I've never in my life felt. Like I feel the belonging in my community that's still being built. Mm -hmm. I feel God kind of connecting me to people, higher vibrational people that I need, more loving, more attentive people that understand how to love well. Yeah. I gained self-love. I learned to have grace for myself. And in the process of that, I have a little bit more confidence where I never spoke out about anything before. I speak out about everything, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in, in all of that, what's also happening literally simultaneously is I'm healing. Yeah. So when you think about your journey and you lost so much, what would you say for you on the other side of things? And we're still in it. But what would you say for you that you've gained? I mean, of course, when you say grief, of course, the first thing I think of is my dad and losing him. But I think it's all part of of that whole 2020 because we all we have different stories with 2020, all of us, humanity. We lost so much. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about the grief, I think of physically losing my dad. And I also think about losing the community that I had. On the other side, I mean, I think it goes back to, too, that one thing is that definition of God, the bigger definition of God, because when you lose things and God doesn't fit in, like, in the rules anymore, you have to expand that definition and he has to be bigger. Mm -hmm. I keep saying he, but I do think she or they. I think also if you don't lose things, you don't have the space for the next things. And I don't mean like you can only have a finite number of friends, but I couldn't have that same community and have the new one that God's putting in my path. And I think too, on this other side of things, going through hard things, I think is what gives you more empathy for other people. Like when you were talking about like, you have to go through that and it's hard. Like, I don't think if you let yourself go through the grief and the hard feelings and feeling that like in yourself permission to, I don't think you can have it for other people. Like, I just really, I really don't. If I was put up a stone wall with myself and act like, oh, it doesn't matter, it's hard, look, whatever. I don't think I could extend that compassion and empathy to other people. And so I think it's given me a bigger ability to like love people Mm -hmm. and also raise my voice for people because you know what hurt feels like. Mm. That's so powerful. I think for anybody that may be listening and you're afraid to step out or step away from environments that really no longer fit who you are or want to become. I'll say that if if you take small steps in the direction that you feel more led to, over time you do gain a little bit more courage mm-hmm. and that the universe or God will will take you into the direction with people who support you. So over time you will get what you need and you'll be again, loved well. And, and God can handle your questions. God can handle your fear. God can handle your confusion. Any doubt that you have is, am I going to lose my whole family? Are they, are they, are they going to alienate themselves from me? And these are questions that I've heard clients ask me. I'm afraid to speak out because my whole family may alienate themselves from me. They'll abandon me. They'll, you know, they'll reject me. And I understand that fear But if they're real family, would they really do that? And are you going to live the rest of your life? Just not. Because if you're not speaking out this time, do you not think there's going to be a next time? Like you're going to, are you content with the rest of your life being quiet and just fitting what others want? Yeah. And I think with you saying that, I think this COVID time has been really an interesting time and timing, especially for my life. But Mm -hmm. I think with other people too, because it's, we haven't been able to go to church last year Mm -hmm. in some States. You haven't been as engaged in direct, direct human. And at least for me, it's given me a lot of time to like think and forced us to step away from church and really, I think have that time to figure out for myself, like what were these messages I was being fed and what do I really believe and what do I actually need to get connected in or what was I actually connected in because society told me I needed to be. Hmm. And it's just, this has been, I think, a really interesting timing for that and sorting things out. If you're listening to music, I won't ask you 
if you want to dance, who are you listening to? But if you're listening, because I can't even <laughs> clap under them. My friend mm. can't clap on the one and three. That's okay. I, I told you for some of the swore off white people. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, you got the whitest white girl with no rhythm. Yeah, like good God. Oh, if you're listening to, I don't even know if you listen to music, but if you do, who are you listening to? Okay, well, I don't listen to music as much as I used to, and I that's something I need to start doing more. Like when you're playing in the bathroom, I'm like, I need to listen to music more because I listen to podcasts all the time, and now I'm trying to have more silence. Mm-hmm. I I love like seventies music. Mm-hmm. The Eagles, I, the Eagles are my ultimate favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Steely Dan, like all of that. But that's what my dad. That's what I grew up on, and that is just what I Fleetwood Mac, like all of that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Seventies seventies okay. music. Who or what makes you laugh? Oh, I forget you asked this. I should have known all these. Who or what makes me laugh? I laugh really easily, I have been told. Did I make people feel like they're funny? John always tells me that. I do laugh at my husband John a lot. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I think I'm not as funny as I am because you laugh at everything. So I would mm-hmm. say John actually makes me laugh more than anybody. Like he's, mm-hmm. But I do, I, I laugh easily. You make me laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. And I love hearing your laugh. I'm pretty funny. You are. Mm-hmm. You are, and you have the best laugh, and when I hear you laugh, it makes me laugh, Mm -hmm. but I do actually love to laugh, and maybe I do laugh easily. Mm -hmm. Who or what inspires you? I think any woman, especially speaking up, standing her ground, saying her truth, and I think that's the women that I've have been the God thing from the internet and Instagram, you, Patricia, Marcy, Letty, speaking your truth knowing who you are and not censoring yourself and Shay oh my Shay, goodness I forget She's about amazing. Shay yes I don't know why I keep bringing love about Shay love Shay mm-hmm. yes. yeah she does too she absolutely does yeah. and again I think that's what when you said what have you gained like the whole losing and gaining I mean that's what I've gained is seeing like these women that have spoken up and they're owning who they are they're still trying to figure I mean I think we're all in this process of figuring out who we are but they're owning who they are right now yeah for sure. Uh, this and I and I've said this before, and I'll just say it here, just so it's recorded. Having you as a friend has been everything, like the gift, and it really feels very um, like God said, "Okay, Tasha, you've lost a lot. You've experienced so much trauma, so much heartache. I'm gonna give you the best of the best in terms of friendship, and she's not gonna look the way." you think she should look in terms of, <laughs> you, you know, black power. Uh, <laughs> she's not going to, you know, you wanted this black Panther type friend, Angela Davis energy, but I got something better that I couldn't have created for myself. And so I am so grateful mm. for your friendship. It's everything to me. And I, that make that can make me cry. Don't cry. I feel the same about you. Oprah's I mean, Oprah's going to listen to this. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. I know. We both do love Oprah. <laughs> I feel the same about you. I don't even know what I, if I was envisioning anything. Like, yeah. honestly, I don't even know if I was ready for yeah. any type of friendship. And I don't know what I was envisioning, but I feel the exact same about you. I really do. And I think, but I still think that's why it's looked at like, well, that is... I assume people look at it like that's an unlikely friendship. Yeah. Like what the? And we don't even care because we love each other. So we, correct, yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like your friendship is mm-hmm. such a gift. And I, everybody needs somebody in their life that they feel. I mean, everybody needs a Tasha in their life. But mm-hmm. but what that means is somebody that they can be so honest with mm-hmm. and can say anything with no fear of rejection or being judged or pushed aside or that's too much. And I think that's mm-hmm. what it is, just being 100% real mm-hmm. with who you are right now. But also, you're an encourager and a truth teller. It's not like you just sit there and are like, yes, yes, okay, like, mm-hmm. you're a truth teller. You mm-hmm. tell me some things today on being on time that has mm-hmm. me think a little more. Or when I, it's not like it's just like not challenging me. I mean, that's what I don't want people to think, like, oh, you just want friends in your life to challenge you or just mm-hmm. make, like, no, you definitely challenge me. And I don't know if I do you or not or make you think things, but, um, That's part of it too. The Uh truth telling part Uh of it. For sure. For sure. For sure. We didn't even get to talk about how... Okay, one last thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any other white woman can can come into my life if she doesn't come with all the butters. (laughs) 
being invited to your house for the first time and I go in there in the bathroom and you got the shea butter, the coconut oil, um, and some other uh, co- cocoa butter. Because I told you I don't want you to have to bring a lot of your stuff, like travel but, light. I have but things you knew, for you. Yeah, as a white woman, you knew the importance of butters. I think that is because we fostered, obviously, and the children were not, the Mm -hmm. girls were not white. And I care, like, we're obviously different. And Mm -hmm. I care what you need for your body. And it's, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew you made a big deal. But it's kind of sad that it is a big, like, Mm -hmm. that that isn't a given. That, like, you know what Black people don't like being ashy. So. Right. I'm aware (laughs) of that. I have two children. I'm aware yes. of that. Yes. And so for you to know that that's a big deal. And the yeah. hair and the bonnets. Like I do feel bad I, I didn't have a bonnet for you but oh, you obviously have your own. You have silk pillowcases and books that you know that I would want to read and just all these things. How do you I don't think you can have empathy if you don't learn about other people. Like like if all you are is learning about your the whiteness and your own like like, I don't even know how you can have empathy and understanding for other people and their stories if you're not learning more about, about them. Thank you so much for being on my podcast today. It's, it's an honor to be on your podcast, Tasha. And you asked me when you first started your podcast if I would be a guest. And I just felt like, no, I don't have anything to say. And you can get way better guests than me. And... I think it's the right timing to be on it because our friendship has deepened and developed. You're here for your 42nd birthday that we spent together this weekend. And I really am honored that you wanted to spend your birthday with me. And so I'm super honored to even be on your podcast. And I'm just really excited about what lays ahead because I know we've been talking about things. You know, we've got our book community and we're going to continue with that and just other, other things because other people need community. And I think that's what we're seeing too. Like, you listeners us we're not alone in this feeling like a little bit lost and without community and questioning things and people are out there your people are out there and i think we both have a passion to connect people with their people we so do and that's what we're going to be working on here in the future uh thank you so much i love you and that's it thank you Thank you so much for listening to When We Speak. Follow me on Instagram at Tasha Hunter LCSW. If you haven't done so yet, please rate, review, and follow me on iTunes and share it on your social media. If you want a copy of my book, What Children Remember, it is available on Amazon. Until next time.